You are listening to the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show, all about real estate edition. Shining a light on the movers and shakers in the real estate industry. The home builders, developers, realtors, and suppliers making it all happen. Good morning and welcome back to Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio. I'm your host, Carol Morgan, and I'd like to recognize Denim Marketing as our show sponsor. At Denim Marketing, we work to make your marketing a comfortable fit. So give us a call if you need original content for social media, public relations, marketing campaigns, or blogs. Well, the dearth of affordable housing makes the news daily. You know, one of the ways we can help to find a solution to this problem is through building technology. So today I'm pleased to welcome Gene Edelman. He's the co-founder of Azure Printed Homes, and we're going to be talking about how 3D printing is part of the solution for affordable housing and part of the solution for a lot of things, you know, candidly. So welcome to the show, Gene. Take a minute and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you so much, Carol, for having me. So my background is I uh, immigrated to the United States from Ukraine, uh, originally to Los Angeles, and then in the mid-80s came to Atlanta and uh, lived in Atlanta for over 20 years. So I'm very familiar with, when I met you, I was excited was excited to talk to you about this. Um, uh, I have done the real estate development and construction my whole adult life. And uh, when uh, my business partner and I started uh, Azure three and a half years ago, our goal was to find ways to build faster, less expensive, and with less environmental impact. Uh, And so uh, after about a year and a half of uh, continuing to build with traditional methods, we uh, asked ourselves, why not 3D print units? Uh, And further, we asked, why not 3D print in a warehouse where we can print 24-7? You know, because uh, quite a few companies are printing 3D printing now with cement, but they're affected by rain, too cold, too too hot. Uh, We wanted to um, do it in our factory. And so we've been working on this for uh, two years. Uh, First year, a lot of computer modeling on how it can work, trying to find the equipment that can print our units. And then last year, uh, almost exactly a year ago, we printed our first model unit. You can see one of them behind me. uh, it was a backyard studio, basically a um, a 10 by 12 unit that's classified as a shed. And, and during COVID and even since, uh, even now, very popular for backyard studio or exercise room or uh, just a place to 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 think <laughs> and quiet. Yeah, might make a great little home office too. She shed, he shed. I can think of a million uses. Exactly. Music studio, art uh-huh. studio. I mean, it, it's pretty much, we were thinking about it just as a, a little office. But uh, it's amazing how when people see this, uh, I, I often say that I love when customers' eyes start to to just sparkle because they they have a vision. They need extra space, and it's a cool extra space. And we've been we've been surprised by many customers of what, what kind of use they found for this units. Yeah, well. I guess getting involved in the 3D printing industry was no small undertaking. Talk a little bit about, you know, some of the hurdles you had to jump through and, you know, the things that people might not think of that were involved in getting your company off the ground. Yeah. So when we started thinking about two years ago, we said, well, why not just find an equipment that can 3D print our units? Because even even then, 3D printing was already a very, very extensive use in uh, in automotive. So a lot of parts and cars on the interiors are printed. 
aerospace, uh, all the way from interiors of, of uh, planes to uh, people are not even printing rockets. <laughs> so we, uh, our initial goal was to find a, um, a uh, existing 3D printer that we could buy and use. Well, we quickly found out that such a thing doesn't exist. Um, and so we basically develop our own kind of technology stack that includes printer, uh, or like robotic arm that, that prints, uh, extruder, extruder piece of equipment that melts the material so it's in printable form. On and on and on. And there, there is like five pieces of equipment that, that, uh, that uh, make our system workable. And then the second issue was what material to use. Mm -hmm. uh, again, uh, just for the uses I've talked about, uh, people use uh, plastic or, you know, all kinds of different materials. Our goal was to find something that's sustainable. So our goal was to find a way to use recycled plastic. Recycled plastic is used as a resin. Kind of, that's what you print with. But um, we wanted to make sure that it's sturdy. Uh, and so we uh, mixed it with uh, fiberglass and carbon. And so that's what adds rigidity and makes it... Um, we basically wanted to meet three criteria. Being here in California, we wanted to make sure it meets seismic requirements. Um, a lot of demand is coming from uh, Southeast and Texas, so we want to make sure that it withstands hurricane winds. And then there is a lot of demand coming from uh, Midwest and Northeast and even Canada, and so we want to make sure that um, units can, uh, roofs can withstand the snow loads. So, uh, that's kind of, th those were the challenges and we kind of ticked off one challenge at a time to come up with a, with a product and, and technology to make this work. Yeah, well, talk a little bit more about the recycled plastics. I imagine you're not going out there and collecting plastic water bottles. You're probably buying the composite or whatever it is that you're melting that's already been recycled into some form that then you can use. But was that hard to find a source? And what is, you know, what all's in that plastic? Is it mostly recycled water bottles or is it other stuff as well? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. So it's a plastic that's used for water bottles. Uh, there is, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, there is plenty of it. <laughs> mm -hmm, exactly. Uh, and, and, and like you said, we don't necessarily do it ourselves at, at this time. Uh, we envision in the future could possibly uh, control, you know, control that supply. But right now, you know, we work with three different manufacturers who make the composite material. They put together the, we give them the formula and they put together, so it's over, in order for the material to be considered recycled, it needs to be 60% of the content to be consist of recycled plastic. And we meet that criteria, actually, we exceed it. Uh, but then we mix it with, uh, as I mentioned, fiberglass and carbon uh, to, to meet our rigidity requirement because we're very sensitive. We want to make sure this units pass <laughs> building inspectors and uh, meet the criteria for this to be a solid, the building material. Right. Well, you know, and that brings up a good point. You know, is it is it hard to meet zoning requirements or meet code requirements? And it seems like those are probably different in all the places you named as well. You know, how do you work through that? Yeah. So that's a very good question. Um, we are considered, uh, well, we are a modular manufacturer, factory built housing. And um, so our approvals for the buildings themselves come from the state. Uh 20 states, including Georgia, including California, Florida, Texas, allow uh, a third-party agencies to both uh, approve the plans and then inspect the plans. 
And so we work with a couple of inspection agencies that have looked at our material, at our process. We've actually, uh, leading agency work with this is called ICC, International Construction mm -hmm. Codes. Uh, we worked with them most of 2022 to develop acceptance criteria, to develop a criteria of how uh, building made from our from our material, uh, how is it going to be reviewed and approved? And so they um, they, they review all kinds of alternative materials or new materials, and they uh, have a process where they have pulled the uh, building officials from all over the country, and this acceptance criteria was unanimously approved. So. Um, so we now have a roadmap. Um, so there is a acceptance criteria where we've done already most of the testing. And so this agency uh, will, will review our plans. Uh, they will meet this uh, national guidelines and um, the building will leave from here with a building permit. Now what okay. needs to be done locally is you still need to have utility permit, uh, grading permit, foundation permit, any kind of drainage, uh, utility connections. So all of that needs to be done on a local level. But uh, once a property owner or a customer achieves that, then we we ship the unit from uh, our factory with a building permit or building insignia. And once it gets attached to foundation, it's just like any building uh, that you will build on site. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah. Well, talk a little bit about the different types of structures you're printing. I see a few of them there behind you, but you know what what are they and how big are they? And sure, sure. So uh, as as we talked about before, our kind of go to market plan was initially was just start with this ten by twelve backyard studios. Um, actually, in most of the places, uh, anything under one hundred twenty square feet doesn't even need a building permit because you just need a permit to connect electric, but it's considered a shed. So that was kind of our first product, and that's. Uh, what we're shipping now. Um, the next unit size, again, you see it behind me, is a 10 by 18 unit. So it's 180 square feet. It has a shower, it has a bathroom, and it has a small uh, kitchen. Uh, and so that 10 by 18 unit is kind of our basic module. Um, very popular among uh, glamping resorts. Uh, so we actually have a customer in Atlanta, in uh, South Fulton County. It's, they're actually in Chattahoochee Hills. Uh, and they're considering buying 10 of our units for a community they're developing that's going to be like a camping uh, location of these 10 of these units that are 180 square feet. Uh, so, you know, glamping, again, I'm not a glamper. I never even heard this term. <laughs> Uh, coming from Ukraine, you want to stay in the five-star hotel, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. What is this glamorous camping? It can't be that glamorous, but it would be the only kind of camping I would do, I got to tell you that. Exactly. But, but you know, these <laughs> units, I mean, we're getting some some very prestigious resorts here in California that are buying them. And, and, and so, you know, you can be outside, you can enjoy the nature, and at night you can enjoy something that's very high quality, cool looking. Um, and then, uh, but then we can... Stack this unit so you know. In addition to hundred, you know, it can be hundred eighty square feet, one small studio, or you can put two of them together. It's going to be a little bit larger studio. That's three hundred sixty square feet. Uh, a little bit bigger is five hundred forty square feet. That's already a one bedroom. Uh, next size is seven twenty. So you can add two, three, four, five, as many as seven or eight of them together, and have a a from nine hundred to twelve hundred square feet home. Um, so they really are uh, built as a modular units. And uh, while biggest demand is for our, uh, these backyard studios and small units, 
Uh, we have the next category is 900 square feet homes. Uh, they can mm -hmm. be as a main house or um, in California here, very popular concept of this backyard home called accessory dwelling unit or ADU. Yep. ADU, uh, yep. Yeah, and ADUs, again, kind of started in California. In California, what happened, the shortage of housing here is so severe that the uh, state government and local officials are trying to just simplify adding some of these units in people's backyards. It doesn't require big... Uh, Infrastructure improvements doesn't require much additional parking, and people can buy law now. Everybody can have a unit in their backyard, uh, even if it's owner-occupied or if it's a rental unit. Um, but uh, again, that is also spreading all over the country. You know, there is now some thirty-plus states that have adopted some regulation that allows it. In some states, it's statewide, like in Maine and Oregon, and in some places, it's like depending on municipality. Yeah. So how do you see 3D printing kind of revolutionizing the um, the home building industry as it moves forward and, you know, becomes more mainstream? Yeah. Well, the, the process of 3D printing with this material replaces seven trades. There is no need for lumber. We print the roof. There is no need for roofing materials. There is no need for any kind of metal. There is no need for sheathing. There is no need for waterproofing. So uh, let me tell you, recycled plastic is less expensive than lumber. <laughs> wow. And even with lumber prices coming down. So uh -huh. one is just the cost. And and our cost will come down. We're already are. Oh, it takes the equivalent of 100,000 empty water bottles to make one uh -huh. of these modules. So uh, as, we be, as we kind of grow our company, scale our company, and use more and more material, we will get the prices down even further. Uh, secondly, and probably just as important, if not more important, is the speed. We print one of these modules one a day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, imagine building um, you know, building a 180 square feet home from scratch. It takes you months. You know, I don't know. I mean, it, it, we've been building those. I mean, it, it takes you months. The building approval process, again, we're approving in the factory with a kind of a pre-approval process. Getting it approved in the local municipality takes months. So we would we can the company. So the print itself is uh, is one day to do all the finishes, to do the flooring, the cabinets, the shower, the windows, doors. You know, for a little uh, for a little uh, studio it takes one week. Uh, for a bigger, you know, 180 square feet unit takes two to three weeks. So the speed is incredibly faster, and. Um, and, um, you know, we are, it really is capacity. We are raising capital. We already raised over two and a half million of capital, two and a half million dollars to get our first printer, uh, but in process of starting another crowdfunding campaign to raise more money to accomplish two things. First of all, to triple capacity here in, the, in our California location. But we also, we have so much demand from Southeast that we are mm -hmm. gonna uh, definitely place a location uh, in Southeast. I mean, uh, well, come on to Georgia. <laughs> well, I, I love Georgia. So definitely just <laughs> from my history, uh, Atlanta is a, a kind of a front runner, but we also have a lot of demand from Florida, you know, Hurricane Ian destroyed 5,000 mm -hmm. homes and damaged 19,000 homes. So lots of demand there. People still live in trailers in all the way to Nashville, where you and I met uh, a few weeks mm -hmm. ago, where, um, we have a lot of local support among investors and customers. So yeah. yeah, we will, by the end of the year, we'll make a decision. And then we're also considering location in Southwest, Texas, Arizona, where 
just high growth states, also a lot of demand. Ah, wow, some exciting things uh, going on for you guys, for sure. Crafting the perfect marketing strategy is like constructing the perfect pair of jeans. You need all the right components and expertise. Unlike trying on a dressing room full of jeans, denim marketing makes the process painless and easy. Denim marketing is the market leader in creating quality original content for home builders, developers, remodelers, and others in the industry. Call 770-383-3360 or email carol at denimmarketing.com to find out how denim marketing can be a comfortable fit for your social media, public relations, marketing campaigns, email marketing, blogs, and other marketing needs. So do you think 3D printed homes are going to become, you know, popular as a way to solve the affordability problem? I mean, do you see, you know, entire neighborhoods built of them or municipalities starting to invest in them? Or how do you think that will play out? Yeah, yeah, no, a very good question. Yeah, so so in terms of your first observation, a whole community could be built out. So what happened was increased interest rates, a lot of the subdivisions that were pl- being planned as for sale housing, uh, a lot of developers are now considering building the whole subdivision of rental housing. Right. And for rental housing, units are generally smaller than they are in for sale housing. And sometimes you can have you know the main house and an ADU in the back. So our units are perfect for that. And we're negotiating with several developers to build 50 to 100 homes in the whole subdivision. Uh, cities are also paying attention. So we have a community in the uh, in North Carolina, a mayor uh, through their housing authority is buying seven homes as an affordable housing. Uh, we talked oh, about I love another, that. Yeah, we, we talked with another city here in Southern California just yesterday, and they want to. They actually have two needs that they have. Uh, they feel they can fulfill with our units. One, they have a lot of single-family lots that they've acquired either through tax sales or I, I have no idea how they have so many different lots, and they just want to produce high-quality affordable housing on them. But they also have a large uh, homeless population. And so we have a, a um, sm- even smaller unit than what you're seeing here. And we call them cocoon. We have smaller nine by 10 units that can be uh, used as a temporary housing or a 10 by 18 unit that can be used as a permanent housing for the homeless. So there are lots of uses. Are we, you know, Is every home going to be 3D printed? No way. There is such a housing shortage in this country and globally that uh, we're just one solution. But I think that we can accelerate the development of new housing, less expensive. It looks great. It's very modern Mm -hmm. design. And uh, yeah, and offer uh, different options, just something that wasn't available before. Well, you know, and I think sometimes just offering a new technology and getting people to think about things differently spurs more ideas. So, you know, what? I was at a Tiny Fest show just a few weeks ago in San Diego, and we've had over 100 visitors who came through. And it's, just, it's so exciting to have people's eyes sparkle. I mean, first of all, yeah. people never seen this before, but when they see it, it, they they have all kinds of ideas of how to use it or mm-hmm. what kind of customization they'd like. Again, initially with just one printer, we're very limited to kind of options. But I, I see when we have three printers here and have a couple other facilities, we can customize it. So a developer could say, look, I want to build 100 homes and I want them to be a uh, different shape. I mean, you can see we have mm-hmm. round, you know, if you're not limited to, to a two by four, you now can do, you can be creative. You, know, you can have right. uh, curves, 
you can have different colors. So um, uh, people can uh, let their imagination run uh, wild and come up with something that that will meet their needs. Yeah, and that's what's exciting about this movement. Well, I'm excited that you guys are using a sustainable material and, you know, recycling all that plastic. You know, most of the 3D printed houses that I've seen so far have been, you know, concrete or cement or some sort of, you know, mixture that has gotten more and more expensive over the last few years. So it doesn't really help to, you know, quicken the process or solve the process. You're exactly right. And and the other problem is cement is terrible for the environment, for every pound of cement. Every pound of cement generates 0.92 pounds of CO2. Wow. People don't realize it. So when people say that construction industry is terrible for the environment, it's two things. It's cement and all the waste. Uh, right. And we solve both of those issues. So well, yeah. yeah, you're eliminating the waste, you know, virtually almost all of it, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we print exactly what we need. And all of the other finishes come totally pre-assembled for our size. So no waste. That's exciting. That is yeah. exciting. Well, I'm sure we've got some people wondering, you know, the kind of million dollar question is, you know, what what do these cost? Can you give us some sort of range? Yeah, yeah. The uh, the ten by twelve uh, backyard studio sells for twenty six nine. The um, the ten by eighteen unit that comes with a bathroom, shower, and the kitchenette is uh, forty three nine. Uh, and then um, and then the bigger units become less expensive per square foot uh, naturally. Right. And again. When we establish facilities in the Southeast, uh, we actually think that our cost will come down because the rent is less expensive in Atlanta than it is here in California. Uh, And uh, actually our material is coming from the East Coast. So the shipping the material is gonna be less expensive. Shipping units to the customers Mm -hmm. that are in the local, you know, that are are in that region are gonna be less expensive. So if anything, we will see the cost come down. And again, it's not like we're gonna run out of plastic, so. No, unfortunately, we're not running out of plastic anytime soon. Right, right. <laughs> we are, however, running out of time. So before I let you go, how can our listeners get more information on Azure Printed Homes? Yeah, so contact at azureprintedhomes.com is um, our email. Uh, and Azure Printed Homes, we have every social media you can imagine. I mean, pretty amazing. We've spent less than $10,000 in the last year marketing our units. And we have orders from 210 customers for over $22 million. All came through wow. social media. All came through yeah. you know, podcasts, YouTube videos, interviews, stuff, stuff like that. So uh, every, you know, we're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. Um, yeah. We'd, yeah. And we'd so easy to, easy to find you. Easy for to sure. find us. Yeah. Well, and it's just, you know, you've got such a great coolness factor, you know, for it. people want to know more about it. They want to know what they can do differently. And you guys are doing something differently. So it's a great story to tell. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to talk with you. I really appreciate your time because yeah. I, I have a special affinity for Atlanta and lots of friends and family there. So, well, you'll have to get them all to listen to this show. Okay. We definitely will. <laughs> Well, with that, I'm going to say it's a wrap of this week's Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio. I want to thank Gene Ottelman with Azure Printed Homes for joining me today in studio. 
On behalf of our show sponsor, Denim Marketing, I'm your host, Carol Morgan. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, then please go to iTunes and give us a positive rating and review. Um, If you're interested in listening to all of our episodes, then download Stitcher, Spotify, or iTunes, uh, whichever your favorite podcast app is, and you can hear us there weekly. Um, If you're interested in being on the show, shoot me an email at carol at denimmarketing.com and let me know what you'd like to talk to me about. With that, thank you for listening. And I look forward to seeing you right here again for our next episode. Today's episode was made possible by Denim Marketing, the publisher of Atlanta Real Estate Forum, Atlanta's favorite real estate blog, and source for real estate news, trends, new home communities, model homes, builders, and more. Denim Marketing is a comfortable fit, like your favorite pair of jeans. Denim Marketing tailors marketing strategies to meet your specific needs and niche. Try them on for size. They will work to create a perfect fit for your company's marketing program. Call them at 770-383-3360 or send an email to info at denimmarketing.com. For more information on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio or to inquire about being a guest, Contact info at atlantarealestateforum.com. Check out the radio show by visiting atlantarealestateforum.com or by listening to the show on your podcast or iTunes app. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, we'd sure appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show.